speaking wisely about plans. How should we approach our schedule for the week? Is it even our schedule to begin with? We often talk like we're in control, and James is going to remind us, like last week, there's only one judge, there's only one sovereign, one person that is in control of all things. Nothing surprises him, and so we need to make plans with him in mind. So let me recap briefly uh, some key uh, passages to set up the context for our text this morning. If you need a pencil or, or a review sheet, please let Pastor Nathan know. So last week, we went over those many verses right throughout the book of James that regarded speech, right? Ask the Lord uh, for wisdom uh, when you say this or do not say this. All these different um, passages that refer to speech. And so I want to briefly remind you about the last time we spoke about the tongue in the book of James. So if you're in James, you can go to James chapter 3 briefly. There we saw that James used many illustrations. He spoke about the steering the stumbling tongue. Uh, if you remember, uh, it's, just how, it's so ironic how such a small object can have such a huge impact. Uh, the three illustrations. Does anyone remember those illustrations in James 3? The first one was with that small bit in a horse's mouth. The second one was that small rudder of a large ship. And the third one was a small little spark that uh, gave birth to a forest fire. And so we learned that our speech matters and it displays what is going on in our hearts. The only way we learn that we can steer the stumbling tongue is by God's grace. We also learn, so this is uh, verses 6 to 12, the incontrollable or the inconsistent tongue. Uh, the tongue being one of the smallest objects, right, in our bodies, but it is probably the hardest one to control. Uh, think about any large animal, right? Think of a dinosaur, whatever you can think of, um, a whale, whatever it is you can think of. In a zoo, a lion, you see that these animals can be tamed, but there is one small little animal that can't be tamed, and that is our tongue, right? And so that should really humble us. The tongue can also uh, often uh, reveal a hypocritical heart, right? With it, we bless God, and with it, we curse men. And so what does James do there? He gives us another three illustrations. If you remember it, uh, James chapter 3, verse 11 he talks about the spring that doesn't send fresh and bitter water. And then the second one, a fig tree doesn't produce olives. And then the third one, salt water doesn't produce sweet water or fresh water. And so we're reminded there that we are called to be consistent in our speech. And so we should be loving others when we speak. Uh, we should love God and love our brethren. And so our speech should be filled with grace. And so last week, what was the focus? So we talked a little bit about chapter 3. Then we jump into chapter 4 and we discuss speaking wisely about people, right? We learned that our speech should not be filled with this hypocritical judgment, right? This slander, speaking evil against one another. We should uh, love our brothers and we should understand that when we're speaking against our brother, we're speaking against God's law. We're acting like we're the judge uh, when we're called to uh, be doers of the law, not judges of the law. So we remember that God is the judge, and we recognize, who are we? Who are we? We are creatures 
finite beings. We are children of God. We are slaves or servants of God. And so our speech needs to demonstrate that we love our brethren. And we should be wise in our speech about people. And so today we're going to discuss being wise in our speech about plans. So if you have your Bibles, go to James chapter 4, verse 13. We're going to tackle four verses today. Uh, we'll start in James chapter 4, verse 13. All right, who's got it? Say amen if you got it. Amen. All right. James says, Come now, you who say, there's that topic of speech. Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. All right, so here's, here's what uh, these people are saying. We observe here that there's this foolish certainty in speech. Foolish certainty. James is presenting to us a situation, right? It's similar to an illustration. If you remember, there was that uh, spokesperson with uh, the rich and the poor, and it, it's kind of an illustration because you could picture just someone in middle class, right, maybe a deacon in the church who is letting the rich people get the nice seat in front of every, uh, you know, right in the front, and then going to the poor people and saying, you sit all the way in the back where you could barely hear anything. Uh, you get that picture in your mind, right? So here we get this picture of a business trip, right? We get this situation where it's, it's very similar to James chapter 1, verse 11, where these people are planning a business trip. Maybe you know someone in business. Maybe uh, you're in business yourself, whatever it may be the case. You are planning, what am I doing for the rest of the year to make some money? All right? Look with me to James chapter 1, verse 11. I want you to see that this is pretty similar to what he's already spoke about. In regards to a rich man, look at the end of verse 11. So we're talking about the sun rising, it's just scorching wind. But look here right at the end. So too, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Well, what is he pursuing? The rich man in the midst of his pursuits. Could it be that James has the same man in mind when he brings up this business trip in James chapter 4? Right? The situation is pretty simple. Businessman making a plan. They're saying what they normally would say. They have eyes on a target city and they're ready to go. And they've already made up their mind and they're prepared for the trip. I mean, they booked uh, the flight or, or boat ticket in their time. Uh, arrangements have been made for their living situation, where they're going to stay uh, for this year. Um, even though it's going to be long, it's worth it because they're going to make some money. Uh, they're going to get to work. They're going to engage in business. And their goal, what's their goal? Profit, right? Money. So let me make it clear. There's nothing wrong with working, right? There's not wrong uh, to go on a business trip. Uh, James is not condemning their desire to work. But he is going to correct or rebuke their mindset, their heart behind it. They're acting like their plans are a sure thing that nothing can stop them, that they don't need God in mind when it comes to their plans. Uh, why would you say this is foolish to think? Why would you say someone saying what James just said in verse 13? We're going to go over here, spend a year, make some money, and everything's going to be great. Why do you think that's foolish? Mm -hmm. um, the man could die or they could not make a profit. Yeah, the man could die, okay. And they could not make a profit. They could lose money, right? We don't know what tomorrow 
We don't know what tomorrow holds, exactly. And that's kind of where we're getting at here. Um, tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? Are we in control of every given situation? Of course not. We're not. Um, it is foolish to think we, we can say we are certain about everything we plan. I mean, I think of some uh, people running for office, uh, some senators or, or whatever, maybe for the president. We're going to change this and we're going to you know, make sure thing is, things are better in our country. And you can't guarantee that for sure. Let's be honest. I mean, you could plan that, but uh, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And so we're not even certain about tomorrow. We're not all-knowing. We're not omniscient. Um, and, and so this is uh, the truth of foolishness of certainty and speech. But we continue in James chapter 4, verse 14, and he pretty much lays it out why it's foolish. Uh, let's read there our next verse. Uh, but any comments on this topic here? We're talking about the foolish certainty of, of speech. All right, look at James chapter 4, verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. There's the answer. I think Ephraim brought it up. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Kind of like uh, Nancy mentioned there with, you could die, right? You're just a vapor there. So we are not sure about tomorrow. We are like smoke, if you have your outlines. That is the certainty of our condition. Uh, we already mentioned that tomorrow is not promised. And I want us to notice the connection between this text and the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, I keep referring back to, I really believe James is uh, just meditating on the Sermon on the Mount uh, throughout his life, and uh, James comes out of it, right? The book of James. So look, look at, with me to uh, Matthew 6. Turn to Matthew 6 here. Sermon on the Mount. I want you to see here verse 30 and 34. And so if you read the whole verses from 25 to 34, we're really talking about um, why we don't need to worry, why we know God is in control, He's going to take care of us, no need for anxiety. And so if you notice in verse 30, uh, after he gives an illustration about uh, Solomon and um, how he was uh, clothed in splendor, but the flowers and, and the grass are even clothed better in splendor than him. And so look at verse 30. But if, you, uh, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And so just picture this idea um, that these little pieces of grass or flowers you can think of. They're here one day, but the next day they're not. Um, and in other words, God is saying, I care more about you than I do for these grass that are clothed for you know, today and then tomorrow they, they perish, right? The grass is fleeting. So the focus I want you to think about here is that yes, God cares more about you than he does the grass, but grass is fleeting. And it's alive today and it's gone tomorrow. And we're like grass in that regard, right? We are fleeting. We live in this temporary tent. Look at verse 34. It says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? And so our body, it, it's not built to last forever. 
In other words, we are decaying. We are like vapor or smoke. And, and the audience of James, they could really picture this, right? So the illustration here is a vapor. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you guys can think of just like boiling water, getting those eggs ready for breakfast this morning. I don't know, hard-boiled eggs. And you just see the smoke or, or vapor out of it. But back in the times of James, how, how would they have seen it? Um, because it's a dry Palestinian climate, right, they would see mist or water droplets in the air formed from condensation near the sea uh, there in that uh, climate. And then what would they see? They would just see it disappear. It's just a quick vapor, right? And so what is James trying to get at with that illustration? Our life is very short, right? It comes and goes like a snap. Can anyone testify to how short life is? Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> It goes by so fast. I mean, you know, I can remember like it was yesterday. Sophia was a little baby, not able to crawl, and now she's five, right? It's crazy to think how time goes so fast. And so I want you to look at James chapter 1, 10, 11. We did refer to it with the rich man, but we see here how fleeting our lives are as well. Look at James 10. Now, kind of giving you, I gave you a small picture, and now I'm giving you the big picture here. Look at James 1, 10, 11. I really think he has this in mind here. It says, And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. Notice all these passing away, perishing. Notice all this. Verse 11. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Does that sound familiar? Our text, it says, we are like a vapor, we are going to vanish away. And so, James might be reminding the rich man on this business trip that riches do not last, right? Uh, the grass fades away, you fade away. Guess what? You what you really want, right? Those riches, you can't take it with you to the grave. They will fade away. All right? There'll be someone else's income, someone else's money to collect. And so riches don't last and they will perish away like you. So our present condition, we're talking about the certainty of our condition, is perishing, right? Uh, this body was not built to last forever. But our future condition is bright, right? Um, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 54 here. Let me know if you got it. Say amen. 1 Corinthians 15. So there's a certainty of our condition in the present, right? This body will decay. It will fade away. It will perish. From dust you came out of to dust you return. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. There is a future condition that is bright. Look at verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the Trumpet will sound, and dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immorality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And so one day we believers will have a new glorified body. It will not be able to die. It will not be able to sin like it is today. But for now, what's our condition? Our body is corruptible, right? It can perish. And so I want to discuss this a little bit more. I want to go a little deeper, guys, and and ask you some questions here and, and talk about it. What does that mean for our future? What does that mean for our future plans that we have on earth? Given that truth, that life is short, our body is corruptible, we can just come and go like a snap. What, what does that mean for you guys practically in your lives? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could, we could still be uh, good stewards. Okay. And we could plan. Mm-hmm. And even being that it's so short and fleeting, all the more reason to, to try to make the most of you know, every day. Okay. I think someone else had something. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This life is not uh, permanent, so we have to think about even right now today we talk about eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Paul says that uh, to the Colossians when it's don't have your mind set on things of this earth, but think of things above. Right. Very good. Anyone else? What does that mean? Or you can put it this way: How should we go about our daily business? Um, you know. How should we go about our daily walk, knowing that tomorrow is not granted? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, so very key points there. Being humble and, and having God-centered uh, um, you know, thoughts. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. No, we can, we can trust in, in the future of what God has planned for us, and we can rely on that. Anyone? Yep. So I also think um, we make future plans, but we have to say God wills, then our plans will come true because it's in line with God's greater plans. Mm. So um, we make plans, but it's God's plan too. Mm. So plans Beautiful. Very good. Well said. So yeah, um, some takeaways from this. First thing is, well, we can't bank on our future plans or, or trust 100% it's going to happen. Um, but we know that with our lives and you know, we know that tomorrow is not guaranteed, we ought to bring God glory. I think uh, uh, Joe brought that out. We have to have him in mind. But 
we also need to remember there's this um, tension, right? Uh, our plan shouldn't mainly be to make us feel comfortable. Our plan should be Christ-centered. I think that's what uh, Joe said with being God-centered. But I'm not saying that you can't get a life insurance or retirement plan, you know, 401k, all that. Um, I'm just saying that we shouldn't act like it's a guarantee, right? I think the main point of James is trying to get at is at the heart, right? Yes, it's okay to make a business trip, but what he's getting at is, where's your heart in that? Is it just because you want to glorify yourself? And, and I, like I said, I think Joe brought this out. Uh, or is it because you're humble and saying, Lord, I want to bring you glory with this business trip, right? All right, the next verse here um, pretty much answers us the solution here. Look at James chapter 4, verse 15. Uh, to this arrogance, really. Because let's be honest, you could read that and say, I didn't see any arrogant, prideful thought here. They were just going on a business trip. But no, no, no. James is getting to the heart here. And look what he says, what we should say. James chapter 4, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, again, we're talking about speech, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. And so here James challenges us with the wise speech we are to display. There is only one certainty in what the Lord has decreed, right? There's only uh, certainty in God because He is sovereign. He is in control of all things. And so James is telling us to say, if the Lord wills. Has anyone heard that phrase before, Lord willing? Anyone use that phrase? Right? It's a good phrase to use, right? But so many times we can just say it out of routine. Um, but we should mean it. We should say, no, God is in complete control. We should make plans with Christ in mind. And whatever we do, it should be done in prayer. Uh, when James says, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that, he could be referring to that business trip. Again, the business trip wasn't wrong. What was wrong was the arrogance about their plans. So what if I retold the situation in this manner? The businessmen, they start off with prayer. Lord, please make it clear to me where it would be a good place to go to do business. They wait on the Lord and they pray about it for a couple weeks. They interact with other wise men in the church, maybe some pastors or deacons, right? And they do their research. They consider a place and then they pray again, say, Lord, please protect us for we plan to go to such and such a city for the next year, if you will, of course. And then they go, they work, and they keep God in mind as they're working. Way different scenario, right? A huge difference. They say things that they actually are certain about. They know that God is able to protect them, right? They know that God is omniscient. They know that God is omnipotent. Uh, they know that it's, it's because of God um, that they can go where they're planning on going. And then they don't just leave God after prayer. They don't say, all right, please, Lord, bless this trip. <laughs> Time to make money. And they just go and do their thing. No, they keep praying about their business trip and, and what they're doing. Um, they know that God is everywhere. And so they are working to give God glory wherever they work. Their speech is filled with certainty because they know God is in control. He can change their plans if He wants to. Um, the Lord can do anything He pleases in this business trip. Any questions or comments on that? All right. I think we're on the same page here. 
All right, our last verses here. Go to James 4, 16 to 17. Let's read it here. But as it is, uh-oh, they're not saying these things, that the Lord, if the Lord wills. You boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so here we observe the certainty of sin, right? James reminds us of the pride of these businessmen who are not considering God in their travels. Uh, the proud ultimately are sinful. And so boasting, again, right, talking about speech, we can have a speech that honors God or a speech that is filled with sin. In this case, the businessmen are being arrogant, uh, this is similar to those with earthly wisdom. If you remember James chapter 3, they have this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, right? And their focus there was what? To bring glory to themselves. That's what their life was all about. They think they are wise, but they're really not. And we know that they have not repented of their sin. They're continuing in this sinful arrogance. Next week, we're going to observe how these rich people uh, who don't turn from this arrogant pride, they will be judged uh, severely. Uh, but for now, I just want you to remember, this is the sin that they're committing, this boastful arrogance. Um, I'll give you one example in the Bible, uh, in the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 4. Go to Daniel chapter 4. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. So uh, Daniel chapter 4, talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember, um, King Nebuchadnezzar with his giant statue telling uh, the Jewish men to fall and worship this statue, and of course they don't, and uh, they get thrown into the furnace, and they survive. Uh, the Lord was with them. King Nebuchadnezzar uh, He's very prideful, very arrogant. What does he say? Look at verse 30 of chapter 4. And so, just the context here. Uh, as this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king, 12 months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. So just picture a beautiful palace. You've got the rich king, powerful man, walking around. What is he thinking? What is he doing there? Verse 30, the king reflected. Right? He's meditating, he's thinking about just all the beautiful things in his kingdom, and said, oh, okay, again, talking about speech, said, is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built? Notice all the, um, the eyes here, or the mys, right? Which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. And uh, verse 31 while the word was in the king's mouth, again, talking about the word, the speech, a voice came from heaven saying, uh, this word is, is very important here, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you. And, and we know the story. What happens? He is driven away and he is like cattle. He is like a, a cow eating grass. He becomes a madman, right? He gets humbled, uh, if, you, if you read, it says he was driven away from mankind and began 
eating grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws, right? Just, ugh, basically looking like an animal because he was acting like an animal, thinking he was in control and, and not um, being wise in his speech. And so God humbles him. But here's, a, here's the crazy thing. For believers, we can choose to act in this arrogance from time to time. We can choose to act in this type of evil, and we know that God will discipline us. If you read in Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verses 5, you see there that he uh, will humble uh, the proud. Uh, let me just read it for you. Proverbs 16, verse 5. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. And then verse 19 there. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Why? Because you're going to be judged. Uh, you're going to be disciplined by the Lord. And so we ought to be doers of good, not evil. And I want to remind you of one more thing here. I think this verse really puts it all together in a nice package. Look at Proverbs 27, verse 1. Talking about boasting, arrogance, uh, Tomorrow's not promised. Maybe if you memorize just one verse out of this whole lesson here, I think Proverbs 21 would be your, your main one you memorize. So look at this. Proverbs 21, 7. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. All right, so there we go. We have a simple command in Scripture. Um, but many of us, we forget this, right? We, we start to act like we can plan in advance with no issues. But no, we must plan with God in mind. I'll say that one more time to, sink in it, uh, to make sure it sinks in, right? Plan with God in mind, okay? So James concludes uh, this section with another topic. So we're, we're focusing a little bit on verse 16. But verse 17, uh, let's just tackle that one before we close. James is talking about many sins of commission throughout the book of James, right? Don't commit murder, do not uh, fight and quarrel, uh, do not commit adultery, all these different commands that we're not, uh, you know, we're supposed to follow and not do these acts of violence or sin. But here, he's referring to something else in James chapter 4, verse 17. He's talking about sins of omission, right? We know what the right thing is to do. Uh, if you remember in James chapter 1, verse 27, to take care of orphans and widows in their distress, that's pure and undefiled religion, and to be unstained from the world. So we know what we ought to do, but what if we choose not to do it? Is it a sin? Yes, it's right here. It says it. It is a sin. And so whether it's speaking arrogantly or not taking care of those in need, um, you know, just a practical example, uh, the, the most famous one is, you know, walking an older uh, lady across the street, right? Uh, maybe you're at the store, grocery shopping, and you see um, someone struggling with their bags, and you could easily just say, yeah, that's not my problem. I'm all right. You know, they, they got their own issues. I got my own issues. I don't got time for that. I'm sorry. Or, that's the arrogance, or you could say, well, this is an opportunity to love these people. Let me help this person in need, um, and so, we must reflect that we've been changed, that we've been saved by grace in our speech and our action. And we can make 
many plans to get rich, but what about making plans to love others, to serve others, to bless others? Uh, if we don't acknowledge God in all that we do and say, and particularly with our material possessions, we fail to live our faith truly and commit sin instead. All right, any questions or comments before we close here with some applications? Yeah. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. So don't trust in your plans, trust in God's promises. I like that. That's good. All right. Some applications here as we close. Uh, first one, our communication about plans must be with God in mind. doesn't matter if you're a business person, a stay-at-home mom, um, a nurse, a doctor, whatever you are, you need to communicate about your plans with God in mind. You know, are we acknowledging God's sovereignty? Okay, God, I am not in control. This is what I would like to do. But Lord, if it's your will, help me to discern that. Help me to be wise here. We go back to James chapter 1, verse 5. Ask the Lord for wisdom, and He will give it to you, right? There's a promise there in that, like Bob mentioned. Second one, we should seek to live godly lives with the short amount of time we have. You know, we could make plans for later today or tomorrow or this week or even Thanksgiving coming up, um, and that's okay. But just remember, time is short, right? We don't have this guarantee that we'll live until we're 85 and be retired and have a great you know time with our spouse and kids at the end of our lives um we have a guarantee like like bob mentioned that we'll be with christ that we'll see him face to face uh, so maybe hold on to that and and in light of that do all we can with the little time we do have right sharing the gospel loving on others um and, and it could be the last time you see a, a loved one and so before, you know, they say goodbye, make sure you, you love on them. So in conclusion, we learn about the certainty of our condition. We also learn about the certainty of the Lord, right? He is in control. We are not. We are like a vapor that comes and goes. We should use the time wisely given this truth. We should love others. And, and we also learn about the foolishness in speaking arrogantly like we can be sure about anything that will happen tomorrow. And so we should aim to be wise in our speech, always having God in mind. And so what are your plans for tomorrow? Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, the next business idea. We better have God in mind. Next week, we're going to discuss thinking wisely about wealth. Um, as we learn today that our life is fleeting, uh, we should also take into consideration how riches are fleeting. Amen. Let's pray.